So we've got four Proverbs. Otherwise, you can open up your Bible. So I'm starting with Proverbs chapter 11, verses 2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. Our next one is Proverbs 12, verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Then Proverbs 18, verses 12 to 15. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honour. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. An intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. And our last one is Proverbs chapter 22, verse 4. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honour and life. I will hand over to Cam. Thanks for being here, everyone. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Cam. I'm one of the elders at City Light. Um, although this isn't ideal, we're seeing it right now that it's not ideal. Um, it's good to be online with you. Um, you know, in preparing this talk, I read Proverbs 18, verse 1, which says, um, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire and breaks out against all sound judgment. So, you know, shame on us all. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a funny verse to consider right now as a lot of us are in ISO, but I guess it's an important lesson of understanding context of passages and what it's actually saying. So if you are isolating, you know, thank you. You're making good judgment and Proverbs would agree. Um, but it is a bummer um, that we're in this kind of, you know, unofficial lockdown at the moment um, with a lot of our team out of action. And I guess one constant and major theme of this whole pandemic is our plans are fickle and we need to be humble. You know, we're sort of forced into submission. We're being open-handed with our plans. Um, I've heard a lot of people say um, it's been a very humbling experience for them, the whole pandemic. And they're not wrong, you know. A global event like this is humbling to our control over our life. And whilst there's lots to say about being humbled by a global event, um, Proverbs pushes it a bit further into the day-to-day -day of our lives and into the day-to-day -day of what's going on in our hearts. Now, the ongoing humility, um, that ongoing humility is a, is a profound characteristic of God's people. It's in partnership with wisdom and living out a line of the gospel. And that's what we've kind of been looking at Proverbs over the last few weeks. If you've missed um, one or two, um, we're looking at what Proverbs has to say about our character and living out more like Jesus. So we're looking at humility, being humble, not only the big events, but the small day-to-day. -day. And counter to what our culture says and to what we're led to believe about um, about humility being almost a weak character trait, uh, there's actually gain to be had for those who seek it. That humility brings about riches and honour and life. Being humble is a life-giving character trait. Um, and so that's going to be our focus this morning. You know, um, for me, pride has been and is, I would, I would say, the predominant sin in my life. Um, so I am by no means uh, the go-to on this. Thankfully, Jesus is. 
Um, so I'm going to pray now that uh, we see more of him this morning. So will you pray with me? Father, thank you for uh, your kindness towards us, uh, even in um, this meeting online. We just ask now that wherever we're at, um, whether we're in ISO, whether we're with friends, um, that you'd be opening our hearts to hear what you have to say this morning. That will be those who are keen to listen to you uh, and to be humble before your word. Um, help us to see more of you and your glory clearly. Amen. Well, it is the case that um, humility is kind of a divisive characteristic in some sense. On the one hand, it's this like really in vogue character trait for leaders. Um, there was a survey done in 2015 of 105 you know, computer software firms. And in the survey, it revealed um, that humility in CEOs led to high performing leadership teams. Um, it increased collaboration, cooperation. There was like better strategies and everything like that. Um, and so this, we know one study would indicate, yeah, you know, we kind of appreciate that. Humility is good. Um, the tricky thing about this um, being in kind of an in vogue character trait and, and not to be like, you know, too negative on that, um, but it can lead to humility is so admired that it just kind of, you know, does backflip into pride. Um, I was talking to a leader a few years ago who participated in one of those like CEO sleep out nights to raise awareness for homelessness and, you know, really good thing. Um, but the story from this leader, it just kept popping up and it kept popping up. And I started thinking like, ah, like that story now isn't doing what I think you think it's doing. Um, you know, on the other side of things, we have um, someone like, you know, Karl Marx, who considered humility as encouraged by like religion and Christians as he would say an opiate to pacify the masses so the bourgeoisie could keep their economic grip on the means of production. Now, if you've got any of that, um, uh, what he's really saying is that humility is just uses this means of um, religion putting control on people so maybe they, they'd work more in, in a capitalist world. Um, Friedrich Nietzsche, too, he thought that it, humility is nothing but weakening human race, you know, encouraging a whole lot of us to just behave precisely, you say, in ways keeping us from pursuing the ruthless strength we need to survive in a brutal, uncaring universe. So there's a bit of joy for you on your Sunday morning. From, um, well, in thinking of that, we can kind of see that in our you know day to day. You know, we tend to be impressed by um, charismatic people with powerful personalities and a commanding presence, um, whereas the humble can often be taken advantage of. Um, the proud often strive to be the best. Um, and can often achieve big things. You know, take Steve Jobs, um, a fairly uncompromising man in building of Apple, now the biggest company in the world. You know, he revolutionized an industry, and yet throughout his career was a trail of destruction of those who crossed his pride. And so when it comes to talking about pride and humility, the Bible has a more complete picture. You know, Proverbs suggests that rather there is gain in humility and in not self-seeking. Um, but to fully understand what the gain of humility is, we first need to understand what the loss is in pride, um, because the grip of pride in our lives will cause far more pain than we tend to consider. So let's look at Proverbs 18.12, um, as Flick read out. It says, before destruction, a man's heart is haughty. Now, we don't really use that word 
often, um, but it's, you know, arrogance and a sense of superiority. And it's counter to the game of humility is that idea of, of destruction through prideful arrogance. In these verses, we get that idiom, you know, pride comes before the fall. Um, and this can rear its head in, in many ways. Um, it could be physical injury, you know, thinking you can do more than you can. I'm a massive culprit of this all the time. I, I don't want to believe that I'm not a 17-year-old um, and my body just can, like, rebound. Um, but it could be relational, you know. Our pride can hinder our relationships by either not acknowledging a fault, um, looking down on someone, or, or, or never being in the wrong. You know, with pride comes conflict. And I wonder if that's something you're experiencing right now in relationships. You know, maybe you're living in conflict with a colleague, um, a family member maybe, whether neither of you are, are, are taking that first step in speaking to one another. Maybe there's unspoken tension in your marriage by not acknowledging a mistake. You know, I think it's fair to assume we've all been in a situation or or witnessed a, a heated conversation where no one wants to cave, no one wants to let go um, because of their pride. And as a result, you can see it's messy, hurtful, and no one came away the better. And I was at um, Burwood Westfield just before Christmas doing my shopping, and it was um, relatively chill. But as I'm walking back to my car, I hear an argument at, at, at the fish shop. Um, and this man and this woman were arguing, I don't know, about what, you know, maybe, you know, someone kind of front the other, took the last prawn, I don't know, I don't know, if, I don't eat fish that much. Um, but they kept yelling at one another and like doing the one up um, in intensity and nobody could do anything about it. And this guy had little kids and like these two people were swearing at each other and he's just like starts to walk away with his wife and she's telling him, yeah, walk away. And then he's yelling and I'm down going down the escalator and he joins, and even when they're out of sight, they're still yelling at each other from a distance. It was dramatic, you know. The kids start crying. His wife is upset. Everyone around is, like, on edge. And that's often the case with pride, as Proverbs puts it. You know, Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. And again, before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Pride is a destructive force in our lives that not only impacts us, but those around us. You know, no one says, well, that argument was really life-giving, you know. You didn't budge. I didn't budge. You know, we hated it. I feel so satisfied with my internal stress right now. Like, no one says that, you know. No one's saying, yeah, let me revel in this stress. How good's that? But why do we get proud? Why is pride in our lives? When we get it down to it, pride convinces us we're more important than God and that our perspective is better than his and everyone around us. And from that core belief flows destructive habits. You see, with the humble is wisdom, and that is, as Proverbs 1 puts it, um, the beginning of wisdom and knowledge is fear of God. And so pride blinds us to the fear of God. It doesn't have that in it. You know, our pride puts us in a situation where we think, surely I can't be wrong. I'm right. And I am God right now. 
C.S. Lewis calls pride the great sin, and he writes, a proud man is always looking on things, uh, looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. Pride blinds us to the goodness of God's grace. And flowing from that, it blinds us relationally. And so a question for, uh, for us right now is, are we being blinded by pride in areas of our lives? Are there moments we reflect on where our pride caused someone frustration, hurt, anger? And what good has it done us? And what steps do we need to take to begin to gain the riches of life in humility? Now, I think an overlooked step Proverbs encourages us um, is not just self-reflection, but taking the humble step in seeking others to help us out. Because when it comes to assessing our hearts and, and knowing ourselves, the Bible tells us that we're, we're actually not good at it. In fact, we deceive ourselves, that our sinful nature blinds us to things. And really, our heart is a puzzle. And that it's really hard for us to see ongoing issues of pride or selfishness. And we need to be humble and ask for another lens. It's like this at um, Christmas, our community group, when I'm in, um, we did the present swap game. I feel like everyone has a different name for it, different rules. The present swap one. Um, and when it was my turn, um, the present I got uh, was one from Minaj, and it was a puzzle. And it was a really interesting puzzle. Thankfully, no one took it from me. I was really stoked about that. Um, but what makes this puzzle so, so, so special was that it was a 3D puzzle. And what is that, you ask? Well, there are three puzzles in the one. And so I'll just, I'll just show you here. I've got these, uh, I brought these props. I've got these glasses, right? These 3D glasses. And the, the image actually shows three different ends. So you actually need these glasses to see what's going on. Um, the blue glasses I, I don't use because... Um, they, there was like this image of these monkeys and they looked like demons, so I'm not about that one. But at, at first, you know, as I'm starting this puzzle, I'm like, like, I don't need these. Like, I can figure this puzzle out um, without it. But as I started, I quickly realized, like, there is no hope for me without these. I need those different perspectives uh, in order to see fully what is going on. Uh, it's amazing. It, it shows me the hidden pieces of the puzzle and the hidden parts and sections. You know, in doing this, I, I finished it the other day and I thought, wow, like this is appropriate in thinking about humility because it's the same with our walk with God and our heart. We need different lenses to see what we can't. You know, the Bible says we need to be humble and let people speak into our lives and that we ought to love that. Proverbs 12, 1 says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Pride says, I've got this, I don't need anyone. But it's stupid to think that. I love how matter of fact this proverb is, you know. If you don't like reproof, rebuke, we're idiots. Humility, wisdom, knowledge are intertwined and those who are wise know we can't live this life alone. Anyone who avoids rebuke because of their pride is, as Proverbs would say, stupid. And yet in Proverbs 26, 
Verse 6, it says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful wounds of rebuke rebuke from a friend are life-giving, but sometimes it really sucks to hear it. True words are damaging to our ego. Um, Yet like pruning a, a bush, we need those words in order to grow. Like a bear caught in a trap, we need someone to kind of press down further in pain in order to release us from that trap. A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. Proverbs 17.10. So we need to be open and, as Proverbs saying, humble and allowing ourselves to be wounded by honest words. We don't just want to get into the trap of always saying, well, you know, that sounds really hard and avoid what the truth might be you need to hear. Christians, we're neither to be confrontation avoiders or really enjoyers. And so a question for all of us, regardless of where we're at with this walk with Jesus, who's actively speaking into your life right now? Who have we got? Have you sought someone out in order to help see yourself in the last year? Would you keep 2022 off? in humility by seeking someone to speak into your life in real life-giving ways. Because this friend or this person, maybe it's a spouse, they may be able to, by grace, point out an area in your life that's causing sadness and conflict with God's glory. And that will be amazing for our souls and for those around us. And whether we're receiving um, in humility faithful wounds from a friend or, or giving them, We need to be guided by Proverbs 18 as it continues. It says, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seek knowledge. Here, knowledge is what is gathered over time through the study of scriptures that ultimately find their fulfillment in Jesus. And so we need to look to him first before we speak to anyone. Looking at humility and emulating him is the key. However, when we look at Jesus and look at our lives, we we do start at very different places. We start in the same place in that Jesus was both fully man and fully God. So in his humanity, he was capable of, of sinful pride. So in that sense, we start the same. And yet Jesus comes from a place of perfection as the creator of all. He lived without fault, without blame, without pride, without arrogance. And the Apostle Paul captures the humility of Jesus in Philippians 2. I'm going to read out this section. It's a more lengthy passage. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed in him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Though when he walked on earth, he was God, the creator of all, he gave himself up for us. His gain in humility was his exaltation that everyone would see him as Lord 
And in that, he was also glorifying God the Father. Even in his own glory, he passes it on to glorify God the Father. This is our humble, wonderful God. And the interesting thing about Jesus is that he didn't think less of himself in his identity. He knew he was superior, but he acts the inferior. Jesus knew exactly who he was. And so real humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Christians are children of God, heirs with Christ, an amazing privilege and identity. We're not called to think we're nothing. Jesus didn't die for nothing. No, we are valuable in God's eyes, and our call isn't to diminish that. It's to diminish our needs before others. This is to be our model in our lives. In the same way, Jesus relinquishes his power to serve, and we need to do the same. If our words, our actions, our positions have power over someone, in Jesus, the model is to relinquish our power to serve. And some may take that as like a doormat approach, um, but Jesus wasn't a doormat. He was in control even when it didn't seem like he was. You know, when the crowd came at Gethsemane to get Jesus, he could have legged it. Um, he could have just sent a legion of angels, as he said, to kind of wipe these guys out. You know, even though he could have easily changed this situation, he shows again what is humility. He, he heals the ear of the man who was coming to take him away. In control, he relinquishes his power to serve. And so when Proverbs, 20, uh, Proverbs 22, 4 says, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. It says gain in humility is we get more of Jesus in our life. We get more of the riches of obedience to God. We get more understanding of his love. We, that we would so love us, that he would so love us, becoming a man. He would come into his creation to die for it, to be mocked, to be spat upon, to be abused, to be killed. That's crazy love and a crazy gift of grace. Instead of saying, I earned this and I deserve this, you know, whatever, you can say, wow, by God's goodness and grace to me, I have this gift. By God's grace, I put in a location where I am. What a gift. By God's grace, I've come to know him. What a gift. We need to start and always go back to being humble before God. Humbling ourselves by acknowledging our rejection of his ways. All of us have sinned and turned from him in our pride, and the starting place is to see that clearly. So another question for us is, is there something in our pride in our life preventing us from doing this? Are we pridefully holding on to something in our ways, an aspect of ourselves, our careers that we won't let go? Maybe now's the time to look at it. Are you experiencing joy? Or is pride preventing you from seeing the riches of God? Tim Keller, a Christian teacher, he says, joy is the mark of the humble. So are you joyful? Or do you need a friend to speak faithful wounds in order for you to see again the joy in Jesus? 
And in the same way, do you need that friend or someone, or do you need to be that friend to someone right now to speak those words? And if you're here and you're you're not calling Jesus Lord right now, thanks for being here, um, would you even consider taking the invitation to see the humble God who loves you, who wants to be in relationship with you? For those of us who do call Jesus Lord, where in your life are we holding on to glory and not giving it back to God? You know, as we kick off 2022, in what ways can we structure our calendar and times to consider others more than ourselves? And, you know, maybe that's serving in a new ministry um, at church. Maybe it's one like Kids Church. You know, Anne Dunn does an amazing job organizing the team, um, but there is need. And I would encourage you to serve in this way is absolutely life-giving. You know, you may miss out on a sermon every now and then, time with friends, and it's a more tiring Sunday, but it is joyful to bring the gospel to children. Maybe it's putting in your calendar intentional time to love the difficult. Maybe it's a once a week having lunch with someone at work or in the community who you get absolutely nothing from, but it loves them and it serves them. Maybe it's in your context of work, but you have a team and you have power. How can you relinquish that in order to love and serve? There are so many ways in which this year can be shaped by God's grace in our life. And it's my prayer that we would be those who take up the call of humility that we do find the life-giving joys in doing so. And so I'm just going to pray for us um, before um, yeah, Jordan brings back another song. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace towards us. Thank you that in Jesus we see true humility, that in our pride and arrogance we can cause destruction, but in you there is life. In you we see our God who bears all, who lays down his life, who is wounded for our wounds. Thank you that we have this and we have this knowledge. We pray that we'd be humble in service to you and to others. In Jesus' name, amen.